Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was in my early 20s when my mother gifted me a popular self-help book. The title was, He's Just Not That Into You, The No Excuses Truth to Understanding Guys. Yeah. Which already felt like a bold move until she told me that she dog-eared, highlighted, and starred important chapters and quotes in the book that she thought I could really benefit from. I mean, let's be honest, I read that book like it was my personal Bible. I would also go on to bring this gift exchange up to every therapist I've ever met, which is a lot. Ugh, I have a love-hate relationship with self-help books, mostly because the only ones I've read were more about love and how it pertains to making it work between you and another person, like he's just not that into you or why men love bitches and more recently, Codependent No More. I've had a harder time committing to self-help books that revolve around, you know, just loving and bettering yourself for yourself. I've tried, but it all just seems like a lot of work. Reading meditation books about meditation did nothing to contribute to me actually ever meditating. I tried whipping out Eckerd Tolle, The Power of Now, on a quiet beach vacation. It was like, yeah, I get it, Eckhart. Be present. But how could he expect me to be present when I needed to stress about all of the things that have ever happened in my life and all of the things that could or could not happen in my life? Now, I did read and practice The Secret. However, I was pretty bummed when my poster board collage of dreams, like, working with director Cameron Crowe, owning Malibu vacation homes, and winning multiple Golden Globes didn't just spontaneously become my reality. I mean, you cannot say that I never tried to be a self-help student. But the truth is, I am so jealous of anyone who's able to rattle off quotes or philosophies from psychologists or teachers who've been able to specialize in writing a digestible how-to about living a happy, productive life. People who read and practice what they learn in a self-help book makes me feel like they are better at being a grown-up than I am. But just how Instagram is the highlight reel of our lives, does reading self-help books actually give us a reliable guide on how to help ourselves? 
Or is it just setting us up with unattainable goals of perfection that nobody ever really reaches? Like, could I be someone who meditates and has healthy friendships and relationships and knows how to be a great parent that understands the work-life balance all while making organic farmer's market dinners before getting a full night's rest so that I can walk into my business meeting with an attitude that tells a room full of executives, I am a confident girl boss, damn it, and I know my self-worth. Can I be all these things in one person if I just read all those popular self-help books and really commit to their teachings? Jolenta Greenberg and Kristen Meinzer had this same question back in 2017 when they started By the Book, a half reality show, half self-help podcast, where each episode they choose a different self-help book to live by, following every rule down to the letter to find out which ones might actually be life-changing. Today on Superbloom, we are diving into the world of self-help with two women who may not have written all the self-help books, but they sure as hell have read them and lived them all. I kind of been sharing my own self-help story experience in the intro to this, which um, which is really funny because it actually, I mentioned a book that you guys just covered recently and it, and it ties in perfectly to, I mean, it's a lot of the reasons why I'm in therapy, I think right now in general. Um, but one of the books my my parents gifted me when I was like 18 and I'm like, you know, young and I'm, I'm going off into the world. And it's very interesting. My dad gave, gave me books that were all about like making money like how to make a million dollars. And then my mom gave me a book. He's just not that into you. Like that was the book uh, yes. that she gave me uh, as like a self-help book. And then she'd yes. also like double downed and starred certain sections and highlighted important key quotes that she thought would be beneficial to me uh, blossoming as a young woman. What was your first self-help book that you either sought out or was given to you? Oh my gosh. In my entire life, oh, there were, yeah, I, there were so many. Just because I feel like, you know, I was brought up in that era where I feel like Oprah had a different self help book every week on her show that she was <laughs> shilling, right? Um, and oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember a specific one, but I will say this: I I was brought up very much in a diet focused household, and I put diet books in the same category as self help. Um, I, I consider them just, you know, they have all the same tropes as other self-help books. You're broken. This is what's wrong with you. Here's how to fix it. Um, if it worked for me, it can work for anyone. And here's, mm. um, uh, a bananas idea of how to lose 30 pounds <laughs> in 10 days. And, uh, I, I was definitely brought up in a household where that was part of, part of what it was to be a woman was to be on a diet all the time. For me, the first one I remember is Tyra's Beauty Inside and Out, which was like <laughs> sort of a Tyra. It's like you had to have been like a very kind of specific old millennial to like get that book. Yeah. Where it was like uh, Next Top Model had just premiered. Tyra and her mom were like sort of female icons of like beauty and self-care. And this book was mm -hmm. aimed towards younger women. I was sort of a tween, I think. And it was about like how to take care of yourself and like have self-respect, but also like do makeup and have boys like you. So, you know. Was this pre-Smize? Like, was there a Smize chapter or not yet? Because I don't we were, like, think just Smize kicking off and like fully coined yet. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What a thing to coin. The smize. Mm, like just the smize. It is very funny, though, because out of those books and, and you guys had just recently covered on your podcast, a book that made me giggle. Um, Why Men Love Bitches. Oh, I 100 yes. percent purchased that book. I spent <gasps> money purchasing oh, yes. that book. As like a young, like formative woman being like, this is my ticket. This is my between right. that and the game. I was just like, guys, I'm going to really nail what it means to be an adult in the world. Well, how did it work for you? We need to hear. We need to hear. Oh, gosh, terribly. I'm like the ultimate people pleaser that is like, please, just, especially with like the opposite sex, who I just had always been like a young girl who never had the guts to really talk to guys until I started going to parties mm. and uh, really healthy 
plan and <laughs> just like go to parties, had my first like four Coronas. And then suddenly I'm like <laughs> talking to the quarterback of the football team and make a total embarrassment of myself. So these books were just like moth to a flame. Like they have the ticket on how I can like like attract the guy without making a fool of myself. And it's like, oh, I just need to be a bitch or just accept that he doesn't really like me. And maybe within that, and even the, do you guys remember the game? Like that book, it was Neil Strauss who'd really, oh my gosh. Just a pickup book, really. Yes. And I specifically remember this chapter and like me being a little like club girl in L.A., like a party girl, you know, in my youth. And all of a sudden there was this huge trend of dudes just whipping out magic tricks at the bar like in the (laughs) club. And I was just like, holy shit. This is like a thing now. Like this is like they really think that this is going to work. This doesn't work. I mean, it would oh my work. Gosh, what is that behind the... your ear? Is it a quarter? Yes. <laughs> like, is it my cards. number? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's just wild that out of the trajectory of both the books that were given to me, like it's not like I went out and purchased more finance books. You know, I really focused my attention on like dating and relationship books. And then as I got older, you know, I just never I had a really hard time ever latching on to any sort of self-help about like bettering myself or, you know, really being present minded or knowing my self-worth like I it just was became one giant eye roll. So at what point did you guys when you started your podcast by the book were you like, oh, this is going to be funny or you're like, no, I really love self-help. You know, this is something that has guided me before and we're going to use this as a journey. I was in the latter camp. I I was working like three jobs at the time, one of which was a admin for a news radio show. And when you work in news, you get sent books unsolicited by like publicists and publishing houses. And I would hoard all the self-help books we got and be like, one of these will tell me how to like get my life together, get on a proper trajectory, get like a man, have it all. and. I I was very, very hopeful that like I just hadn't found the right one or hadn't lived by the advice like strictly enough. Kristen was not. No, um, I went into it very much as a skeptic, somebody who was like, really, should I believe these people? Seems like most of them were born on third base and they're saying, if I can do it, anyone can. And it's like, well, you also started off with a modest loan from your dad of $1 million to start your first business at age 22, or you actually have no college debt because your parents paid the bills, or, or, or I could go on and on and on about all of the advantages (laughs) that a lot of these authors have. Um, So I, I was always very skeptical of them. And I also have always, at least, you know, in my adult life, taken umbrage with the idea of universals about how to live life. Because Mm -hmm. what works for Jolenta isn't necessarily going to work for you. What works for me isn't necessarily going to work for Jolenta in lots of ways, because we all have different desires and we all have different baggage and we all have, you know, different talents. We have so many different things we bring to the table. So what works for me, you know, why would I write a book and say, this is what's going to happen for all of you out there? You know, it, it's, it doesn't logically make sense to me. So uh, when Jolenta asked me to co-host the show with her, she knew that we were on kind of opposite ends of the spectrum there. There is a part of me right now at this point in my life where I'm like, there are just two different types of people in the world. People who go to Tony Robbins and like do that. And then people who don't go to Tony Robbins. And I am of the latter of like, do I, I'm not a Tony Robbins person. I'm very much like this does not, you can't just decide this is how everyone should be living your life. And look, I, I don't even have the deep dive of the Tony Robbins unless you want to go down like a BuzzFeed article thing. That's a whole separate episode of a podcast. But yeah. what I will say <laughs> is that that is the issue that I have with a lot of self-help is that it's this how-to of, you know, relationships, this how-to for businesses and, and media and how to like determine your self-worth, um, how to treat people and expect that if you treat them this way, they will treat you this way back. That's just how it's going to work. And I have, or even how to grieve, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a big one too, that I think has been really, really interesting 
It's also funny to me that we are in this kind of new age where where self-help used to be a trope. You know, like even one of my like favorite movies in the fall is When Harry Met Sally. It's delightful. It's like oh, fall, New York. I mean, what's better? Movie. Still love it. Kristen also loves it. Yeah. I don't dislike love it. it. I yes. just know Kristen loves it. <laughs> <laughs> but there is that scene where like Sally is and Harry kind of meet up and they're both kind of looking at self-help books like sheepishly. And that's what it used to be. It used to mm-hmm. be the aisle in the bookstore for like the castaway toys, the lonely, the divorced, oh, yeah. the like the emotionally and mentally unstable and unfit for society. <laughs> and you'd like go with sunglasses on. And now we watched a sex in the city where like Charlotte runs out of that aisle being like travel, never mind travel. Cause everyone's like crying yes. sat in there. <laughs> Sorry. I and now I feel like if, I, if I'm at a dinner party and I haven't read all the latest self-help books, like mm. I'm behind. Like, it's like, well, what are you doing? Like, how are you bettering yourself? How are you improving yourself? How have you not read these books? Like, have you noticed this pendulum shift in even the way that self-help books are written now comparatively to, I mean, you guys have read so many on your podcast. Mm -hmm. I think there's become a bigger shift where self-help and wellness and influencing have all sort of joined forces. And the influencing part is like the new ingredient where we have like tweets that have gone viral about like how to have it all uh, that end up being stretched out into books or someone who's got a viral TikTok account about, you know, a cert- like getting up early or meditating suddenly is the person writing that book. So, so all of a sudden you have authors who don't just have like cult followings for like their ideology, but have cult followings on like popular social media platforms. So it's much more in the zeitgeist. Yeah, Jolenta, that's exactly what I was going to say as well. Um, The influencer culture commingling with the self-help culture. But then on top of that, celebrities have dipped their toes more and more after that Tyra book that Jalenta lived by. There have been more and more celebrities who have essentially made themselves self-help experts, including Zac Efron, including obviously Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, And I'm saying self-help experts in kind of a self-appointed way. And then on top of that, we see more self-help authors being turned into celebrities, being given their own shows like Marie Kondo. So this whole, you know, celebrity culture, whether it's micro celebrities on Instagram or major billion dollar Hollywood industry celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow, I feel like all of that has helped bring us to this moment. Is there a self-help book that you gravitate towards, that you actually like, that you have dog-eared, that you have highlighted, that you go back and reread over and over? Well, I personally like any books that are about doing good in the world. How can how can I fix some of the issues that might be resulting in me being sad? Because a lot of self-help books are like, oh, are you feeling powerless in the world? Are you feeling sad? Well, sometimes the reason you're feeling powerless and sad is because there are structural inequalities, because there is misogyny, because there is racism, because there's classism. And sometimes, at least for me, what makes me feel better is not looking at a little post-it note on my mirror saying, you go girl, when I wake up in the morning, it's actually going really? out into the world what? and maybe making the world a little bit more equitable yeah. for girls right. instead. Um, yeah. So yeah. I find that to be the case. But on... Um, a slightly fluffier note, I don't, maybe not fluffy, but um, when I, uh, years ago, I, I did use a book that I did dog ear and I gave to several friends also called, it's called A Breakup Because It's Broken. And that book, um, I haven't read it in so long. I've now been married for quite a while, but I, I did use that book, um, you know, before I met my husband. And it was just such a great reminder for me of like, it's okay to be upset. Breakups are lousy. But here's an action plan with things to do every day. That's one of the things I liked about the book. It actually had an action plan of what to do every day to get over, you know, your feelings. But the overall message of the book I also loved was, you know, the title of the book, it's called a breakup because it's broken. So full disclosure, I did dog ear pages of that book back when I used it. In the present, I really like the books that are how to make the world better and how to 
put kindness into the world. Were you gifted that book, The Breakup Because It's Broken, or did you go seek it out? I sought it out. Much Mm. to look at Jolenta's surprise. She's like, oh, you you got that yourself. Um, So impressed. You put your sunglasses on and just like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) inched your way through the self-help section. Yeah. And this was before everybody was getting books shipped to their homes with like Amazon or whatnot. I literally walked into the bookstore and I got it off of the shelf and I bought it. Yes, I did. Um, and then I bought it for others who said it helped them. So I, I I don't know what the book is actually like now. If I were to reread it after now, having lived by 80 self-help books with Jolenta, I might not feel the same Ooh, way about yeah. the book as I did back then. But it did at the time help me. Mm. Jolenta, do you have one that you, you keep by your bedside table? Well, I would say I echo Kristen's sentiment about books that that are about like community involvement and, you know, becoming active to sort of change the institutions that keep things shitty as opposed to just sort of like mind over matter individually, like against the shitty things. But if we're going for like a book that I always go back to. I do always go back to What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by um, Shad Helmstetter, who is an actual doctor, unlike a lot of the self-help authors you might come across. Many of them will say they're doctors, but look into what kind of doctorate they have. Is it honorary? Does, uh, does it have nothing <laughs> Dental. to do yeah. with psychiatry? Yeah. Like, yeah. Are they, does, is it maybe from a non-credible place? Anyway, but that book is a lot about just how negative thought patterns get sort of stuck in our heads and wired as sort of like rules about ourselves Mm -hmm. and how to sort of undo those thought patterns and try to speak to yourself the way someone who loves you would, as opposed to like someone who's scolding an asshole would. And uh, that's always good. 
want as opposed to like the you go girl or like you know yeah (laughs) you be the sunshine and like things like that (laughs) like reminder like the darkness you feel shrouded in could not be based in fact like necessarily (laughs) it's funny though when I find myself in moments where I probably should be reading self-help books that's when I want to reject them I'm like no 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 I don't need your help I can navigate this very confusing human period within this my life right now by myself or pay a therapist to do it but just sitting with my thoughts and my feelings and reading about it in a book it makes me almost angry at the author like why do you have it figured out huh like (laughs) I'll get there I'll figure it out myself I think though that that speaks to a lot of the human experience though a lot of times we know what we need to do we just aren't ready to do it yet like how many times have Mm -hmm. We worked a job that we were being undervalued at and we complained to our friends for weeks, if not months, if not years. Oh, my boss just treats me like crap. I'm always being undermined. And when maybe we just need to spend time being angry about it and processing it and driving our friends nuts while we're on repeat until we get to the point where we're ready to do it. I I do think that oftentimes we know what we need to do. We're just not ready to yet, whether it's... You know, quit that job or break up with that bad significant other. I think we usually kind of know in our guts what we need to do. But um, I, I think for a lot of us, it doesn't follow a logical path of like, well, I know this is wrong. So now I'm going to stop doing this thing. And now I'm going to behave in a way that's better for me. I, I don't know that many people who do all of those things in that logical time frame. I wish we all did. I, um, I, I wish for myself <laughs> I had done that. During Save a me so much situations. money, so much <laughs> yes. money on therapy and books. <laughs> yes. Do you guys like? Are you therapy people? Do you like therapy? Big time. I'm a big time Both therapy person. In therapy yeah. currently. Do you yeah. show up to your therapy appointments like because you read? I mean, I think you would. I'm assuming you guys probably read more self help than the average person based off of your probably, podcast. Yeah. Do you feel sometimes like you go and you're like, oh, I know this one. Nope. I read this in a book like two weeks ago. No, like where you kind of toe to toe with your therapist on different ideologies <laughs> and uh, and and facts that uh, that you've or just thoughts um, of how to process certain emotions or times in life because you've read it in a book. I tend to be sort of a brat in therapy. And if I'm like, I've read this, I've already just, yeah, I'll be like, I've decided it didn't work. I live by this. And she'll be like, but did you approach it this way? And I'll be like, shit, no, not at all. She'll be like, yeah, like, let me, let me guide you through it with like your unique idiosyncrasies in mind. And like, let's try it again. Like you don't have it figured out. I usually use it as an answer to be like, I have that figured out already. Or like, I know that doesn't work for me. And she'll usually poke holes in that and, and sort of find reasons for me to to try again or try it differently. Yeah, I always, uh, I try to go toe to toe as much as I can, or I try to really just deflect and be like, so, but what did you do this weekend? Right. Oh, you're not allowed to tell me. <laughs> it is very frustrating right now in therapy. I just keep asking, like, if you can just tell me what to do, I'll do it. You know, just, but if you just... Right tell me and he's like that's not how therapy works I can't just like tell you what to do I'm like but what if you did and then I just tried (laughs) let's just do a social experience I mean on that note though I do think like there are different kinds of therapists and some of them will you know so I I have friends who have therapists who give them assignments and then there's the psychotherapy model where all they're going to do is repeatedly say and how did that make you feel Mm -hmm. tell me more about that you know I, I I think there's different models of therapy that do different things um and I also am one of those people who likes assignments, like just, you know, yeah. you don't necessarily have to tell me what to do with my entire life yeah. or this major thing in my life, but can you give me assignments or something proactive to help me get there? Yeah. Um, I I like being told what to do. I guess that's what it comes down to. Tell me what to do. Which book has told you what to do? And you said, yeah, I like this advice. And which self-help book has told you what to do? And you're like, fuck you, book. Like, you don't know me. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say most self-help books don't tell us what to do at all. They tell us what to think, which Ooh. drives Jolenta and I nuts. Like, if you believe it, you can be it. All you have to do is visualize yourself <laughs> with that million dollar check in your hands. And that million dollar check will be in your hands because thoughts uh-huh. become things. Uh-huh. Uh, 
And then a lot of books just have no rhyme or reason to um, the steps. Like it's kind of hard to suss out like, what actually are the steps in this book? Is this just one person rambling for 400 pages? Um, what, what are the action items in this book? So I would say a very large percentage of books are extremely um, confusing and badly organized, but there are probably nuggets in there that will speak to somebody in some way or another. Otherwise, they wouldn't be bestsellers. But um, in my opinion, not enough have concrete, clear, actionable steps. Do you think that that's probably become the biggest essentially trope of the self-help book world is just like the thoughts immediately become things like we all tried the secret. You know, I tried the secret and I oh, and yeah. I do 100 percent that they believe in the importance of setting goals for yourself and having a direction that you're walking towards. Of course, you can't just sit there and be like, this is what I want to do. And I have no idea how to do it. Like you have to take the steps and and it helps like if you're if you're booking a flight, you got to know which city you're going to. Like you got you got to kind of know where you're going to hopefully end up. <laughs> you can't just like wing it or it's just going to get very, very lost. Totally. Um, but this like but to say that like that's of course that's just what's going to happen if you just think it and believe it. That's exactly how it works. I mean, I think like what do you guys have any kind of witchy woo woo or sense of the universe that that I mean, there is also a, root, a yeah. lot of that can be brought into like we can start talking about prayer and how that applies to then you know your your thoughts becoming things but is that kind of the most consistent trope that you read about in a lot of these books I would say yeah that one comes up the most whether it's sort of veiled in like sort of business like get ahead like there's always an element of like picture yourself there and you'll be there or like the reason you'll get there is because you'll visualize harder and that will make you work. That will make you work harder or, you know, there's usually an element of that. And while I do love sort of a witchy woo woo, like I have many a crystal by my bedside and perhaps one like on my little buzzer box near the front door, you know, but um, I like it in a sense that um it gives me comfort and it's a an a, an aesthetic i enjoy um but i can't buy into it too much as you know i'm dealing with um being treated for lupus right now like with some serious medication and like i've been sick for a long time and i really can't afford to think that like i brought this on myself and sort of get better and try to like power through this so it's a mix of like, I love sort of believing in the universe and that like things even out and like energy is infinite, but also like, it's not like me putting out negative shit in the world, like made me sick. It's just like the luck of the draw in genetics. You talk about your uh, lupus diagnosis and uh, your, your path to like the medication that you're on, on your podcast by the book, how has it been reading certain, um, maybe like toxic positive books that kind of lean towards toxic positivity? How has that experience been when you are um, in the middle of a, like a moments of things being very hard or scary or things feeling out of your control, reading things that, because uh, I feel like that's another trope that has really right. come on hard, uh, totally. this whole like toxic positivity. Sometimes it's nice to read books that tell you to look for the small things that can bring you joy, like where you don't expect it, whether it's just like walking the dog or like digging around in your house. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's just it's become sort of like almost more funny for me, like as as someone who just like can't like if I bought into that, I would just hate myself and my life so much more in a way if if I just thought I could like think my way out of this and like not need as much like medical support or whatever, like I would be losing my mind. So in a way, it sort of helped help me see the the level of privilege that comes with uh positive thinking and like all the things we forget about whether it's you know institutionalized racism or ableism that just like the people who think 
they've made it to the top purely because they like willed it with their minds are forgetting about all these legs up they have, whether it be like a good immune system, wealthy parents, you know, the color of their skin, you name it. Oh, God, I just hate language like the universe never gives you more than you can handle. You know what? The universe gives lots of people more than they can handle. And a lot of those people are dead right now. You know, the universe gives, I I wouldn't even call it the universe, um, our own bodies, our own environments, our own genetics sometimes give us cancer and we die, unfortunately. And uh, you know what? That is a case of being given more than you can handle because now you're dead. And, um, you know, or the idea of uh, I should be thankful for everything terrible that happened to me because that made me who I am. It's like, it's okay to not be thankful for that. It's totally yeah. okay to be like, that yeah. sucked. And I, I did not enjoy that. And I'm not thankful for it. I am, you know, I, I'm grateful I survived it. But yeah, um, I, I hate that kind of stuff so much. And one thing that both Jolenta and I just cannot stand is the constant emphasis on forgiveness in the self-help world. There is so much emphasis on you, when you're choosing not to forgive, the only person you're punishing is yourself. You're choosing to be bitter when you don't forgive. You're choosing to live in a place of ugliness for the rest of your life. And it's like, no, that's not true. Sometimes I just don't forgive and that's okay. And I'm actually, um, in Jolenta's estimation, one of the happiest people she's ever known. Right. Yeah. Like sometimes too happy. Well, and it's like there's a difference between, you know, learning you didn't deserve something and like how ha- and like forgiving in in the definition sense of the word, where it's like you don't like, have to I don't forgive need to absolve to you. Sort of Why would I absolve you for what you did? Being like, I didn't deserve this and like that doesn't make me who I am, but that doesn't mean like that person's good to go in my eyes either, you know? Yeah. Are there any books that come to mind where you're just like, how the hell did this ever get published? Like, I feel like <laughs> just the book, Why Men Love Bitches. I mean, you really brought me oh. back to just a very bizarre time in like my way of thinking and how my brain worked as like a young woman. Um, just by just reading that title, I was like, I had a physical reaction of like, oh, my gosh, like I took that so seriously. Um, Are there any books that come to mind where you're like, how how did we ever think that this was how did a publisher sit down and read this and go, yep, good to go. Good to go. Let's help the world one page at a time with this book. Pick three is the first one that comes to mind. by (gasps) What's that? It was based on, I believe, a tweet that she made about how she's <laughs> able to manage it all. That like, par- or yes. it was either a tweet or her answering a question on a panel mm. about how she had it all that she parlayed into sort of speaking about it and then it being a book. But it's like, this was a great nugget of an idea. But when you expand it, it's ridiculous. And basically the premise is there are like five categories in life. It's like family, work, sleep, exercise, and I don't remember the last one. Friends, I don't remember, but yeah. But, and it was like, and you only pick three. And it's like, when sleep is one of the options, like that should be picked every day. But apparently we're opting out numerous times a week because you're only picking three. And it's like, what in the world? Or like, sorry, kids, it's an exercise sleep day. So yeah. like, no, no you. Like, it's just so, it, it comes from such a place of privilege of someone who can outsource uh the other, you know, two things they're not picking to to people either they're related to or people they're paying to do those jobs. And it's just so actually unlivable. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sure like a single mother with children who is working multiple jobs on an hourly wage, you know, just trying to figure out health care really is just like, mm, if only I picked three. Like, today's not a work three. Sorry. Yeah. Like, sorry, guys. Like, no, we don't have that luxury. A lot of us. Uh huh. Yeah. That's one where I'm like, how did this get past so many steps? <laughs> how did this get past so many stages of like green lighting to be in my hands now? <laughs> a book like that. Yeah. And, and one other thing I want to point out about that book that comes up in a lot of books, because 
the author of that book. She's a Zuckerberg, you know, she's got money flying out of the vents. She's doing so well that none of her categories include things like housekeeping or, you know, mm, things yes. that the rest of us have to do every day, <laughs> like wash dishes, prepare like meals, Groceries. like like grocery shopping, sweep the floor, laundry. None of these things are even like on the list of things that she does. And I remember Jolent and I just like, what, what about those things? That takes up like way more of my day than exercise. Like her fitness, the fact that fitness is a category for her, but not these other things. I mean, I, I am trying to be, move my body more just for my emotional and mental health. Um, but that like, it is funny to me, the commitment to like, well, first, if you go to a yoga class, you got to drive there for 45 minutes and then it's mm -hmm. an hour and a half of a class and right. then you have yeah. to shower and then you got to drive home. And that's like three hours out of the day right there. I'm like, no, yes. that is that is a full time job. Um, there's a lot right. of uh, more important things to be doing um, for a lot of people in the world. Have you guys ever done any sort of self-help seminars? Have you taken this like off the page and into a room where you've heard speakers? Have you entered that world at all? I went to an acting conservatory, which is basically like a <laughs> it is, year yeah. long yoga retreat. Um, I once did a thing. I, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and just a friend's mom was doing this at her house when I was in high school, and we happened to be hanging out there, so we did it. So I did so I did like a, a coal walking ceremony, <gasps> which has a big element of self-help self -help in the beginning. You sort of have to psych yourself up mentally, and they, they're basically mm -hmm. like the amount of like any amount of pain or like burn you have is like the amount of doubt in your mind and stuff like that. When really it's just, you know, with the level of sweat and the amount of time you're on the coals, like you usually don't get burnt. Um, usually, <laughs> but you know that this is, this is a thing. People have done these and then they hide it away from like the programs that do these where actually there is a percentage of people that totally fuck up their feet and get burnt and like, yes. oh, and, like sure, it, yeah. and get hurt. And I, at the time, totally bought into it. And was oh, yeah. like, yes, like, I have no doubt. Like, I believe in myself. In person, I think it's way easier to get sort of revved up into that, like, mindset. Because you can look around and see people buying in. So it makes it mm -hmm. easier to buy in yourself. That herd mentality a little bit. And right. We're all here to get. And they make a lot of these things now is like a giant freaking concert. I mean, there's like T-shirt mm. guns and, you know, mm -hmm. pyrotechnics and loud music. And it's like, yeah, it's going to wake you up and, and jolt you out of your seat and feel like a an out of body experience because it is you're being created to like be in this big, loud, exciting, like, ah, like the center of the the uh, the Coliseum in, in a sense, you know, it's just like going to like battle in a way of like battling your old demons to like emerge from this experience as a new person here I am <laughs> which is just wild to me just to kind of even read on I've not been to one but I just was wondering if either of you guys have ever been or even just like a, any sort of retreat because I'm now I'm like is that the thing maybe instead of like a self-help thing maybe that's like dipping my toes into just like some sort of quiet retreat where like I eat really healthy food and sneak wine into my room like I'm a teenager and then just like meditate and yoga and hike all day. Like, is that is that going to be good? Is that the new self-help book? I would love to go to a <laughs> retreat where I get massages and where I yeah. swim and go on hikes. I, I want to go on the kind of retreat that like Elizabeth Taylor used to go on, you know, yeah. where mm. it's ostensibly a health retreat, but it's really just like living at a resort. That's what I uh -huh. want to do. <laughs> With like cigarettes uh, and gin yeah. and just, yep, all the yeah. good things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 11 a.m., my first gin of the day, 12, yeah. my next mm -hmm. one. I don't With know. With massage. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All of that. It's important, the combination. Otherwise, it's just, it's not working. <laughs> it's a very important <laughs> like combination. All around the grounds. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Do you guys find yourself now gifting your friends self-help books more regularly? Like, or do you, or are you now at this point, you've read so many where you're like, nope, that is not a move that anyone should do. It is a personal thing to purchase a self-help book. Uh, you should not be giving people books. I don't give self-help books because I think some people take that as I am diagnosing you. You need to fix this thing right. that's wrong with you. It, it's kind of like, that passive aggressive move where dudes who give their girlfriends gym memberships is just a surprise <laughs> present. It's like that where it's like, are you trying Thanks. to say something about me? Yeah. What, what are you trying to say about me? Um, that being said, as I said in the past, when I was reading, it's called a breakup because it's broken. And I had friends who were incredibly forlorn and, you know, going through the wars as my husband says, um, I was, I, I did say this book really helped me. Do you want to borrow it? Uh, can I get this book for you that, you know, really helped me? There's lots of times where someone would be like, oh, you re you're living by that. Do you could I get a copy? And I'll be like, sure, let me like share mine with you afterwards or whatever. Or I'm also, you know, someone will be like, have you did you live by this? Was it good? Like, I'll give advice, but like unsolicited, especially now that I've lived by so many and realize some can be like so inadvertently like insulting or make you feel insecure or worse about what they're trying to help with. Like never unsolicited. Is there any book that you guys have read or practiced from by the book where at the time it didn't apply to your life and you were just like you didn't get it. And then all of a sudden, a year or two later, it just popped back into your brain like, oh, actually, this does apply to my life right now. Anytime I'm reorganizing or doing like a deep clean, I do always go back to Marie Kondo. Yeah. Just when it comes to like decluttering, not the like lifestyle aspects of like how to maintain it necessarily about like, don't keep anything in your shower, put it all in a cupboard so there's no visual clutter. But if I'm like, it's time to go through all this random shit in this closet. Then I always go back to it and be like, have I used this? Does it bring me any joy? Am I keeping it out of obligation because someone gave it to me? Did you guys ever do the love languages or any like any kind of relationship book that really applied? We did the five love languages. And as much as I hate categories, I absolutely abhor putting people in categories so much. The big lesson I took away from that book that I still think about is you know, a lot of us are taught the golden rule growing up, like, oh, treat others as you want to be treated. And the five love languages says, no, don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat mm -hmm. them the way they want to be treated. And I think that's really important. Treat people yeah. the way they want to be treated. And not everybody wants to be treated the same way. Not everybody experiences, you know, or feels loved when you do this one thing. Some people feel more loved when you do this other thing. And so I think that book is valuable, even though I think 
there are probably way more than five ways that people feel love in the world, not just five. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that's a good lesson to keep in mind. Like what makes me feel good doesn't necessarily make you feel good. Where do you guys find the next self-help book? Because I think that's where a lot of people don't know where to start, you know, whether they're in grief, um, whether they're trying to learn about love in a new way and how they can communicate to their partner better, uh, whether they're in the middle of a breakup, uh, whether they're, you know, in stuck in a job where they just don't know what comes next. And do they, you know, forge on or do they start, you know, a new path? Where can people start to find the best self-help book that might apply to them. Everybody out there should just listen to our show. It's called Buy the Book. <laughs> and we will tell you what books to live by. <laughs> I would say word of mouth, whether it's word of mouth from our show. I, you want to get advice about what to read from someone who's perhaps read it or it's helped them or they've like tried on the advice, whether it's us because I have to plug our show or a friend. I would solicit advice on books as opposed to reading reviews because you never know like how many of those were bought and paid for or just had a better publicist or a better uh, publisher behind them that just got them more visibility. I would trust someone who who has actually benefited from the advice over someone who like maybe wrote about it. I'd be more likely to trust somebody who has my same sensibilities, like somebody who is really into, let's say, horoscopes and Myers-Briggs and those kinds of things. If they loved the book and they said it was life changing, I'm probably going to think this book is not for me because we don't have the same sensibilities about things. And that's okay. They can have their sensibilities and and find that book transformative. But I will know immediately that's probably not for me. Another thing I just want to advocate for closing the book and getting rid of it if it's not working for you, whether you're reading five pages, 50 pages, 100 pages into this book, and it's just rubbing you the wrong way. It's okay to just say, I'm not going to read this book. I'm going to stop right now. This isn't speaking to me. I feel like it's blaming me for things. I feel like uh, it's dripping in privilege, whatever it is, if there's something about it that is viscerally like hurting you or bothering you, um, then it's okay to put that book away. It totally is. So I, I've even done that when I've been 80% of the way through a book before. And I'm like, oh, sunk costs. I've made it this far. I just need to do the last 20%. No, you know what? Putting this book in the trash. I don't need it anymore. That's fine. Recycling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Putting it in the recycle bin. Composting the book. I don't know if you can do yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> but it is it is interesting because it is usually in times of um, uncertainty when anyone is seeking out some sort of self-help book. It's so hard to be reading something and feel like, well, I'm not getting it in real life. And now I'm reading a book about it and I'm still not getting it. But how important it is to realize that your experience is really singular to you and how you respond to the right. world. And it, it is not one size fits all at all. And and I think that that is kind of what can be a pitfall in such a beautiful space of self-help and people sharing not only their stories and or experiences, but professionals also trying to help guide you and how it's going to work. It's the same thing with, you know, doctors in medicine, like what the style of a doctor and how they talk to you, like, especially with OBs. I feel like this is where it always, you know, just for the ladies, I feel like, mm -hmm. It's how a friend of mine might want to be spoken to by her doctor is completely different the way that I would want to be spoken to by my doctor in the same exact checkup. I feel like that can be applied to self-help books. Exactly what you're saying, Kristen. If it's not working, it's not you. Sometimes it's just right. Uh, the book is just not into you and you're just not that into the book. And it just all yes. goes back. To <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, oh, I need to force myself to like swallow this bitter medicine it's like no it's a self-help book put it put it down find one that yeah. helps like and doesn't make you feel shittier okay well as self-help book experts uh what would you write about in your self-help book we already wrote a book oh i'm so sorry no no don't worry i'm like is it a full-on self-help book ish yeah some people have called it an anti-self-help book okay perfect. right right it's called how to be fine what we learned from living by the rules of 50 self-help books 
And um, yeah, we wrote that like 30 books ago. <laughs> so we've lived by more and, since then. But... Yeah, we've lived by way more since then. But the book is broken down into three sections. After living by all these books, what actually helped? What didn't? And what do we wish more books would talk about that they don't? Mm. And, you know, we bring in the lessons we learn from by the book. We bring in lessons from our own lives that we haven't even talked about on by the book. And um, the overarching message of the book is really like, we don't need to aim to be the richest, the best, the prettiest, the whateverest. It's okay to, you know, aim to be fine. And it's okay if my version of fine looks different than yours. Yes. And it's also okay that this makes me feel fine. And that doesn't make me feel fine. Even though the author of this book keeps telling me, no, that should make me feel great. It's okay if it doesn't. We do kind of live in this, um, I feel like a, a chapter in time, or maybe, maybe it's always been like this, where I feel like you're supposed to be operating at like the height of the roller coaster at all times, <laughs> where everyone's like, no, you're supposed to be right at the top at all times with their hands up, just going yeah. wee. And the reality is, is you, you, there's ups and downs and twists and turns and really jarring stops where you're like, oh, did I hurt my neck from that? Nope, I'm going to be okay. We're still on the roller coaster. It's, uh, it's much more complicated and nuanced than that, but especially in yeah. the social media age of just everything it has to be great and happy all the time. And even exactly, you know, as we were talking about earlier, all the hard times make it are so hard because then it can be better. And that's the reason for it. It is very uh, interesting navigating uh, the tropes of help in the self-help world. But I'm excited to continue listening to all the books that you guys are reading and something that it's not necessarily self-help, but it's something that I like to do on this podcast just to kind of like cool down from the conversation <laughs> and, uh, and and go about our day is uh, five little check-ins that are kind of fun. So one is really about like what you like, thumbs up, what you like, uh, something that you know, something that you hate, something that you love and just a quirky little fact that you want to leave us with. So something that you guys like. I like being here with you. You've been just lovely today. <laughs> and, and this has been really nice. It really has been. Somebody talking to us from Nashville, from where Dolly Parton made it big. Yeah. Um, I like this. This is nice. Thanks. I like that. Jalenta. I, was I mean, that's a tough say, answer to follow. Uh -huh. Yeah, wow. I was going to say, like, the season's changing. Like, there's a bit of, like, a hint of a cool breeze today yeah. in New York. And it feels like just the beginning of fall, fall being like, hey, around the corner. And I love, I love that when it's, like, still warm and summery, but you got that cool fall breeze coming in. It's perfect, perfect weather. What is something you guys know? I know that I'm never going to know everything. And my life got way better <laughs> once I accepted that. Because frankly, I, I think when I was younger, so much of my identity, especially as a kid, was based on Kristen's smart. She knows a lot. And mm. um, my life got way better when my identity became something much broader than that, that I wasn't known as smart Kristen. And oh, God, it's such a relief to like accept that I just don't know very much. I really don't. <laughs> Oh, wow. Kristen, my follow-ups are always going to be so <laughs> surfacey compared to yours. No, that's not true. Stop say, it. One thing I know that I've learned uh, dealing with lupus, and uh, I lost a lot of my hair and buzzed it all off during, during the height of my lupus flare. One thing I've learned is you can work with any hairdo. You might think, oh, I can yes. only have a bob or I can only have this length. Believe me, I buzzed it and made it work at every level. Like it might have freaked a few people out once in a while. But for the most part, like your your look and the way you present, you can make it work even even with any length of hair. I love that. And I know that now. And you know that. Um, What do you guys hate? Jolenta, I'm going to let you go first. This time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What? do I hate? There are so, so many things. So many things. So many things. Right now, what do I hate? I hate snoring so much right now. 
Um, are you the snorer or the or the both, are both you being and I? Okay. He snores, I snore. Like there is, I swear, there isn't a moment where one of us isn't waking the other up lately to be like, turn over, you're snoring, and I'm like, snoring is a menace in my household, and I hate it right now. I don't know if it's allergies, I don't know what it is, but like, I hate it. There is no upside. No, no. You can always make a hair work, like a hairstyle work. You cannot make a snore work. There's no, no. like snore never chic works. snore. No, Mm-mm. no, no. I hate cilantro. And I know that <laughs> I have no Ooh. control over this. I'm just not wired right to process it the right, right way. When people tell me it tastes fresh, I, I try to imagine what do they mean when they say it tastes it fresh? It is nice. Because this tastes Crisp terrible. And fresh. That's funny. Do you, I don't know. Are don't you like into Mexican food at all then? Are you just like, do you go to a Mexican restaurant Mexican with like tacos? Food. Oh, I love Mexican food so much. She just I love it. Cilantro. I just asked for no cilantro. Yeah. Okay. All right. One of those people where like it genetically so it tastes like dish soap. Isn't that what it... For a lot of people, but I'm on the even more extreme end where it tastes like aluminum foil on metal fillings. Ooh, so gross. It, it, it almost hurts my inner ears when I eat it. That it is tastes oh, terrible. Wild. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it is. I know. Yeah, but I love I Mexican food. No dissing on Mexican yeah. food here. No. <laughs> okay, something that you love. I love having a dog. Um, there's a portrait of of an old family dog behind me. <laughs> I'm a big dog person. I love having a dog. I think I know Kristen's allergic, and I'm sorry for her. But I just think they are so full of love. And whenever I'm like full of hate about snoring or anything else, I like pet him for one second. And I'm like, God damn it. I can't think the world is all bad once I see like a little dog or maybe even a cat, like just pets, perhaps. But um, I just love it. I love having that that extra little happy bundle of love. I also love dogs. I wish I weren't allergic. Something else I love is. I love being that person who's walking down the street, who's smiling ear to ear like a lunatic because I'm listening to a good podcast or the day is just nice. And sometimes people smile back at me. Oftentimes in New York, they avert their eyes or stare at the ground when they pass me. But some people just are so excited to see somebody as happy as me. And I'm also very non-threatening because my stature is small. I'm only 5'3". So I don't actually look like a threatening maniac when they see me. I just look like happy. Here's a happy short girl walking down the street. And um, and I love being that person. I love being the person who has a little pep in my step and a smile on my face and who's listening to just the most idiotic celebrity podcast or whatever it is and just laughing and laughing while I walk down the street. Have you had one of those days recently? Oh, yeah. I do it every day. <laughs> every day I go on every a walk. Day. I love that. Silly. And I smile and I laugh. And um, oh. and it's funny. Every once in a while, people will stop me and say something nice to me because of it. Yeah, it does. It does change your day. I had that. That was my Monday. I had one of those just obscenely happy days where it was like the weather was beautiful. I just had a pep in my step. I slept, you know, like I had like ah, things nice. to do and everything went well. And it's like every place you go into, you're like, hi. And everyone's like, hello. And you just feel like you're in this like movie montage moment of just like a really cheerful day. Um, but I love that you've been able to bring this into that energy into um, all your days or most days of just having like a little walkabout. Uh, I feel like New York is also easy for that, too, I would assume. Being able to just like oh, leave yeah. your house and immediately walk into yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, OK, yes. what's a quirky little fact about both of you? Quirky fact about me? is I, speaking of pets, I'm on a pet rampage right now. I used to have pet rats uh, when when mm. I was younger. Mm. And while some people hate them and are freaked out by them, they are really smart and really sweet. I've had two friends, two different friends in my life that have had pet rats. One would bring them to work. I had a mm. job and she'd even like sometimes bring them to work. And and then other friends, they'd be like, oh yeah, no, they're so smart. You can like teach them things. You can train and them. And I just, it's their tails. <laughs> It's the and tails. It's the, no, the, people have it's the tails and the board. dude rats have very big rat balls. And I know that I, like I had I do. I had they really do. Males before I went to females. And I was like, oh wow, the non-visible, like giant <laughs> balls are kind of it's kind of fun to not be dealing with that. They're like two it's, giant like almonds hanging <laughs> off their butts. Like it's bizarre how big their balls are. That is true. Yes. 
Yes. I mean, can you imagine if humans, if the same proportions existed in humans? That would be no. obscene. It would be obscene. <laughs> it would be hilarious, but yes. just like beach ball. Aggressive. Yes. <laughs> so that, yeah, I, that's, that, that's my only thing with rats You're is right. just the, the tails and, and the big rat balls. <laughs> Kristen, what's a quirky fact about you? Well, a lot of our listeners know this already, but I attended Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's wedding. And <gasps> um, I was not actually in the chapel. I was with the masses on the lawn. I was crying. I was cheering. Um, I was broadcasting it for one of my podcasts at the time. And uh, I am still a royal reporter. I currently host a show for Newsweek called The Royal Report. I am team Meghan and Harry. And uh, that <laughs> wedding was one of the best days of my life, including my own wedding. It was one of the best days of my life. Are you ready for Megan to write a book? Oh, yeah. And I'm totally listening to her podcast, Archetypes, right now. Oh, I mean, yes. please, everybody, listen to the episode of Mariah Carey. My God. Yes. Mariah's oh, oh, my fantastic. gosh. I have to listen. Yes. Please <laughs> listen, Mariah. Ooh, yeah. I mean, every time I think about Mariah Carey, it goes from like Christmas to just like her being epic in her voice and fantasy. And then also uh, immediately to Cri the Cribs episode every single time. I just see her in the bathtub with all the bubbles, just Ugh. like flicking them at the camera <laughs> in her heels on her little workout machine. And I'm like, oh, that, the that's the self-help book I want to so read. Lucky. How do we get so I know. lucky? Yes. We are alive at the same time as Mariah Carey. <laughs> the universe does provide sometimes. Yes. Yes, yes it does. It does <laughs> give us what we can handle. And I feel so lucky I got to sit with you guys today. Thank you so much. Um, uh, truly, you. I, your podcast is fantastic. I love by the book. And I love the just being able to hang out with both of you guys. And, and thank you so much for hanging out and joining me today on a Super Bloom podcast while I try to navigate the world, maybe needing to adopt a, a couple self-help books in my, in, my, in my lane. So thank you. I really appreciate it. This has been a Super Bloom podcast hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production sound by Chris Henry and advertisement partnerships with Acast. <laughs>